welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sangul, and on this episode, we have a session from the Digiday Retail Summit held in Austin, Texas in April. Kendra Scott is using data to better serve the brand's customers who want the best experience no matter what they're shopping. By using the information the brand has gathered on customer behavior, Kendra Scott has built a multi-channel strategy in stores and online that offers the right experience at the right time. In this session, hear from Kendra Scott's VP of e-commerce, Megan Kahoot, who discusses why listening to customers fuels the most powerful retail strategies. So wanted to start by introducing you to the brand Kendra Scott. Kendra Scott began in 2002 when she began designing jewelry out of her spare bedroom here in Austin, Texas. Kendra had realized that there was a gap in the jewelry market. Basically, there were a lot of providers out there who were providing inexpensive costume jewelry that many times fell apart, didn't last very long, churned your ears green, and fine jewelry. So she went about creating jewelry made out of gemstones and real metals in the spare bedroom of her home. She then went and took that product and worked to get it in boutiques and department stores and then eventually opened her first store on South Congress Street here in Austin in 2010. There are several parts of the Kendra Scott retail experience that really stand out. And you can see pictures of a couple of those here. First, our stores. Kendra realized that the store experience in many many jewelry retailers was really, really difficult. You'd go into the stores, it'd be dark, you'd have to ask people to try on product and they'd have to go and get it out of cases and it could be really, really intimidating. So when Kendra started creating her stores, she wanted to create stores that were warm and welcoming. So if you go into any of our Kendra stores, you'll see bright lights and products that you can try on without anyone judging you or thinking anything about it. An interesting part of the Kendra history is that we design our products here in Austin, Texas. And so what would happen is that someone at the office would have an event going on that night, and they'd say, you know, I I really wish I had a necklace to match this outfit. And what they would do, they'd go into the design room, and they'd design a piece of jewelry for that particular outfit. Now, this was really important for Kendra, and eventually led to to, um, color bars within within our individual retail locations. So in our locations, you can go in, and you can choose earrings, necklace, bracelet, or ring, and then put your own stones in that product. So customization has always been really core to the Kendra Scott experience. And as we created our own website, we, had, we created those experiences in the digital way as well. Kendra built the brand on three pillars. These pillars are fashion, family, and philanthropy. Philanthropy has become a very important part of our store experience as well. In any of our retail stores, you can talk with the store manager and you can set up an event within your store where you can invite your friends and family and 20% of the proceeds from that event will be donated to a charity. We have thousands of these events every single year which enable us to donate millions of dollars to charity. Today, Kendra Scott has almost 100 stores across the country. We have our own company-owned website, and we remain in boutiques and department stores across the country, and the company is valued at $1 billion. That's a pretty big number, and that's a lot of growth to happen pretty quickly. So 
when in the early days, it was really easy for us to understand who our customers were because they were all right here in front of us in Austin, in Texas, and our friends and our family. But as we grew across the country, we realized that we really needed to take a step back to understand who was our customer. Was it still the person who helped us grow from that first, that first sale to where we were today? So over the past year and a half, we've taken a lot of efforts to understand who our customers are. This has included focus groups, surveys, post-purchase surveys, really getting in and analyzing our customer transactional data to help us understand time between purchases. What do gift orders look like versus non-gift orders? When does, what does a market basket look like? Does our customer always buy earrings with their necklace or what does she do? And we also added in demographic and geographic data into our transactional data so we could better understand who our customer is. We were really trying to solve the question, who is our customer, why do they shop for jewelry, and why do they shop for jewelry from Kendra Scott? This work has enabled, enabled us to build out personas of different customer groups, and we have a few of those customer groups here. We have our young college girl, we have a woman we call the Pinterest mom, who is basically Joanna Gaines and everyone we want to be on a daily basis. And we also have a customer whose kids are older, who have left the house, who really has a very full life of traveling. So what we, what we learned from these different groups is that we needed to speak to each of these different customers differently. And we wanted to make sure that we, we talked to them in the right way. It's important to note, in a world where everyone is talking about omni-channel, that doing this research didn't make us realize that you have to have the same experience for the customer across all channels all of the time. It really made us realize that you have to have the right experience at the right time. So some of the things that we learned from this work. One, we have a large wholesale business. We have boutiques, we have department stores. And we've learned that that's where a lot of customers are learning about the brand for the first time. So we, just, we realized that we really needed to make sure that we made that experience as branded as possible in those partners. So we have some of our department store locations where we've actually included that color bar experience where you can personalize your own product within our department store experience. We've also learned, like many retailers, that our customers while not all of them are purchasing across store and online, and that's certainly a metric that all of us want to improve, we do know that they are shopping across stores and online. We constantly hear from our customers that, you know, the earrings, I really want to see how they feel and how they look in person. And this has really helped us think about how we're prioritizing efforts from an e-commerce experience. So as an example, there's a little iPhone image there. Um, we worked for South by Southwest, we, we worked on an augmented reality experience where you could try on the jewelry without really trying it on because that helps answer that question of what is this really going to look like on me? But these insights have also helped guide how we are thinking about buy online versus reserve online as a customer experience. We have some customers who do want the convenience of just being able to click and collect, but others, it's really about having it available to try on in stores. And within our stores, um, Hillary's point was really true. We have that customer where sometimes the same woman wants to get into the store and leave very, very quickly, and other times she wants an experience. 
our South Congress store, we just reopened, we opened a new flagship store here in Austin, and I recommend that everyone goes and check out, checks out this store this week while you're in town. We really made this an experiential center. So that's, there's the, um, it's the, the white building in the, in the bottom corner. The, actually, the whole bottom roll is all from our new flagship store here in Austin. And we've taken this as an, experience, as an opportunity to have events where people can come into store and hear a lecture, or they can do yoga in the store. And they, really, they can also go and go to our Sips and Sweets Cafe and purchase a little snack and go sit out on the porch and drink Frosé all day. At the same time, for the, our customer who isn't necessarily looking for an experience that's going to take a little bit longer to enjoy, we are moving to mobile point-of-sale systems that enable the customer to get in and out of the store faster. And we've also learned things about the geography, how, our, how geography impacts our customers. We always hear that everything is bigger in Texas. That kind of holds true with our earrings. And we've learned that that's not necessarily the trend in other places in the country. So that's allowed us to change how we're merchandising in stores and how we're speaking to customers in, in um, other areas of the country. So overall, we've worked to incorporate these findings about our customer, but we know that this is a process that's iterative. It's never going to be done. We constantly need to be looking at who is our customer, how are they thinking us, about us today, and finding new and innovative ways to bring that experience into our stores, our wholesale channel, and also into our e-commerce channel. And with that, I'll invite Hillary back up for some questions. So you brought up a lot of a lot of great points that I think we're going to hear a lot about. So I want to dig in a little bit more into the wholesale customer versus the the Kendra Scott direct customer who's shopping in stores and online. How do you like? What do you know about the wholesale customer, and, and how do you like make strategies around that? You know, I think something that's really important is that we don't differentiate between a wholesale customer and a Kendra Scott direct to consumer customer. It's it's one customer, mm -hmm. and so it's it's just about that customer who goes into wholesale might not know as much about us as a brand, mm -hmm. and so it's about how do we take that experience in wholesale and make them remember this is a Kendra Scott necklace, not that. This is a necklace that I bought at Bloomingdale's. Right. So that's really what's most important to us is trying to find who that woman is. And she's very much the same person mm -hmm. and just getting her eventually to move into our stores channel so we can tell her more about who Kendra Scott is and tell her more about our mission because those are things that we believe are really powerful. Mm -hmm. And when you're working with retailers that, that carry Kendra Scott knowing that that's a really important part of the business yeah. still, but you want the brand represented, mm -hmm. how do you work through those conversations to make sure you are on the same page and have the same priorities? Yeah. They're ongoing conversations. Our wholesale team is, is constantly working with our, our partners, and they're spending a lot of time in those locations, talking with them about what are the right fixtures, how do we put the product in the fixtures, and, and sometimes we have people from, from our, own our own store locations nearby go in and kind of give an example or help, um, help influence what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And when you're thinking about you know, who the customer is, like you said, it's always changing. Yeah. You have these customer profiles that, that you've made. How often are you, you know, working through the data, like what type of input and information are you constantly checking to make sure that you still have the right grasp on, on who that customer yeah. is? So we've gone through this process for the first time right now, but uh -huh. I think it's something that we need to be revisiting every six months or so, really kind of making sure that those groups are still the relevant groups of the customers. As, as a team, we're constantly listening to the business and saying, what, are, what questions are people asking? What assumptions are, are people saying around the business? And using that to influence the research that we're putting out on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And is that all happening 
internally that yes. you're, you're doing that work? Yep. So we have a customer analytics team. Um, we have one young woman who's focused primarily on our qualitative, more qualitative aspects, um, our focus groups. And then we have another young woman, Gabrielle, who's here today, who focuses in on our transactional data and really digging in on that data. Mm -hmm. And it's, so it's interesting. I think that you, you know, for for a brand that started in wholesale, the, the direct to consumer mm -hmm. side of the business has become so yeah. so large. Is, is it is it about half and half, or, or do you divide it out? It would it would be about half and uh, no, it would be about seventy five percent direct to consumer. That's yeah. That's yeah. I think that like kind of goes to show what yeah. exactly is happening in in retail right now. And so, how did the the company kind of build around that that momentum? Like how much of it was looking to drive that business versus being like, okay, this is how people want to shop the brand. They're coming into our store and we're going to then respond to that. When Kendra opened the first store in 2010, um, she, she talks about that being um, a byproduct of the recession because at that point, when you were so dependent on wholesale and some of those wholesale accounts started purchasing less because of the recession, it became a necessity to mm -hmm. own our own store. Mm -hmm. And once we owned our our own store, it became clear that that was such a good vehicle to share the full scope of the brand. And so that, that really became where we put our emphasis on, on growing the brand. Those wholesale, those wholesale relationships are so incredibly important, but we do think that the direct-to-consumer business is where we will continue to achieve our, our largest growth. Right. And, and, and your point earlier, you mentioned it's not about being like wherever the customer is, it's about mm -hmm. being the right place at the right time. Absolutely. How do you make sure that you're, you're doing that. What does that mean in, in uh, execution? Yeah, I think it's, it's constantly looking into who your customer is. And there's so many resources out there that allow you to do this. So you can use Google reports that you can send them a list of your customers and they'll say, hey, this is who your customer is looking at on YouTube. And here's the things that they're, these other brands that they're looking at. And so it's really remaining really top of mind with that. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's constantly testing and learning. So channels like Facebook and Instagram, you can send them all sorts of different segments. And so it's really about not being complacent in and saying, here's the segments that have worked for me six months ago, but it's about bringing in new segments and seeing how they work and testing new creative strategies because really, we, what worked yesterday might not be what's, what works for our customers today. Right, and, and you guys test new technologies around ideas like personalization and, and strategies like customer targeting. Yes. How yeah. do you figure out where to put resources because they're they're finite, I assume. <laughs> they are. And, they are. Uh, you know, there's so many directions that you could go, especially when there's always a shiny new technology. Absolutely, we think a lot about the ROI of each of the efforts that we that we put on the website. So we talk with vendors, we adjust what they say because sometimes they're a little high. Um, and then and then we really think about um, we really think about the full funnel of our customer experience. And so we don't necessarily at our point think right now about okay, we only want to think about conversion, but we think about what are the things that we can do across each point of the, the funnel to hopefully maximize what happens overall. Yeah, so I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that because I feel like so often people are kind of in this holding pattern where they want to try new things. They're hearing that other things mm -hmm. are successful for people, but when you don't see those immediate conversions, they ended up having to abandon it. Mm -hmm. um, as a VP of e-commerce, I'm sure you're kind of guiding that strategy. So what are some other you know points of, of measurement or and success that you're looking at beyond conversion? We look at brand awareness. That's a huge one for us. For us as a brand, I'm sure there's many people in the room who haven't heard of Kendra Scott, but we're a billion-dollar jewelry brand, right? So building that national brand awareness is is something that we're constantly looking at and we're figuring out how to measure. One of the tools that I love to use is just Google search trends and using that as a way to say, 
are people more interested in us today than yesterday? It's not perfect, but it's a really good way to see the impact of your activities. And that can include things from a technology perspective or from a general brand marketing perspective. Mm -hmm. And so the ultimate goal is always personalization. Every customer mm -hmm. feeling like whether they're, they're on the mobile app or online or in yep. the store, that it's really customized to, the, to what they need that day. Like yes. you said, sometimes you just want to check out really quickly. Sometimes mm -hmm. you want to stay and you know make something. How do you you gonna make sure that you're meeting that customer? Like, what's the what's the personalization path for you guys? So one of one of the tools that we use is Monetate, and our UX designer she's in the room today, and she's just done a fantastic job of laying out a roadmap that really allows us to test what matters for the customer across the entire funnel. So we're really, really focused on making sure that we have those tests going and that we have tests going where it optimizes toward the best experience for that customer. I think one of the things that I always think about is you might think something's going to win, but then it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so just being really open-minded to test all sorts of things, even if they might not be what your hunch would say. Right. Work on the fly, drop something exactly. if you need to. Uh, so we're, we're almost out of time. I want to leave some time for audience questions as well. But when you look at you know, the macro trends of where customer behavior is driving. Mm -hmm. So much of the brand is, is direct now. Like you said, it's a billion dollar business. Yes. What, how do you, where do you consider where the customer is going next? What's the most important thing that the brand needs to be watching and responding to? I, th I really am interested in Instagram shopping, mm -hmm. and I think Amazon. I mean, that's obviously something where so many customers go to Amazon, and they start their searches there, and, and I think that that's something that you really have to pay attention to as a brand. Oh, for sure. Are you guys on Amazon right now? We're not currently on Amazon right now. Mm -hmm. You're thinking about it? <laughs> You're like, yeah. All right. Uh, does anyone have any questions for, for Megan? We got a mic coming right back. Um, being a billion-dollar brand and 75% direct-to-consumer, can you talk a little bit about what your tech stack kind of looks like right now and what you guys are doing and what you've really found that works, especially in personalization or other areas yeah. that you're focused in? Um, we use a Salesforce as our main platform. Um, we add a lot to it. So we use Monetate for our on-site uh, personalization and just spoke in the other sandbox presentation about using Castora, which enables us to do a lot of different customer segmentation. Um, and we're, we're constantly looking at things. So if you go to our website, you'll see that right now we've just launched a firm go to enable payments. And so there's a lot of things that you can kind of see where we, we go into, we do triggered emails and we're, we're looking at what are the different ways we do paid social. So we've, we've got a lot of things stacked on there. Um, and it, the risk in doing that is, does it decrease your site speed? So at the same time that we're adding those things, we're looking at the code and, and seeing what is that impact on the speed and, and making efforts on that end also to make sure that we're, we're moving as fast as we can when people get to the, to the website. Mm -hmm. Great. Any other questions? All right. How much is it is internal in terms of uh, you know the, the, the technology that you're building, or is it mostly outsourced? So we make all decisions about what we will put on the website internally. We have a development team that is outsourced, but our team is determining what goes into each of the scrums. We use an agile development process. So we decide what's happening when, but we do have outside developers who, mm -hmm. are, um, who are helping us get that done. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, thank you so much, Megan. Great. Thank you. <laughs>